Welcome back. We've been talking about credit scores and the effect that negative credit will have on someone coming out of divorce, uh, preventing them from borrowing, preventing them from doing what they need to do, causing them to have higher interest rates, uh, a lot of different implications associated with that. Um, just, to, just very briefly, you know, the biggest issue here is when we have joint debts and a joint debt in which the ex is responsible for that payment and doesn't make the payment on time or someone has late payments during the course of the divorce. You know, what can you do? Uh, is your credit ruined forever? Well, first of all, we, we started talking before the break about credit scores, so let me just pick up there and just talk about that a little bit. Credit scores are somewhat misunderstood. A credit score is a statistical prediction of your ability to repay a loan. And lending is very automated these days. And basically what lenders have done is they looked at patterns of good loans, bad loans, payment histories, and so forth, and they came up with statistical predictions of your ability to repay a loan. So the higher your credit score, the better risk you are. So, so much of lending falls upon these credit scores. So what causes the credit scores to go down? When you have a low credit score, you're going to have a hard time getting a loan. Um, what causes that? Well, there really is a couple things. And one is your payment history in the last 24 months. That's one of the biggest factors. The second factor I mentioned before the break is when you are maxed out on your credit cards. When you have a balance that exceeds 50% of the limit, it's going to lower your credit scores. I've seen an awful lot of people who have never missed a payment their entire life, but they're maxed out on their credit scores, and that really punishes your credit scores when that happens. And there's, there's no real way around that. Time heals the wounds of late payments. The sooner you have um, good payments, you're generally going to have to have 24 months of good payments to obtain a loan. One of the things we do encourage a lot of people to do is to consolidate their debts. Uh, that typically is something that most people need to do that um, consolidate their bills, make them affordable and so forth, but it has the added effect of raising your credit scores. Because when we pay off those balances associated with the credit cards, your scores are going to go up. Uh, one other thing I want to just mention before we move on to some other topics, uh, you do have the ability to check your own credit scores. Um, the government actually has a website that you can do this once a year for free. Uh, it's called annualcreditreport.com. And we recommend to all our clients that they check this once a year. They look at their credit. Um, they might see some accounts on there that are maybe not their accounts. They might see some late payments. They're not accurate. It gives people the opportunity to dispute those situations. Everybody, as a general rule, whether you've been through a divorce or not, they need to pay attention to these kind of things. Um, so let's move on to some other issues outside of the house. Um, the biggest issue being the house and the mortgages and so forth. What are some other areas that people make mistakes in? Well, one of the areas that I see a lot of mistakes in is when the updating of people's wills and their beneficiaries. It's somewhat common sense that you need to change those things, but I typically find people miss something. They miss their 401ks, they miss their IRAs, they miss something associated with those beneficiaries, and they have not properly updated 
all of their life insurance, IRAs, 401ks, and their will. Um, most people think about doing that with some things, but they forget to do it with a few other things. Um, I also want to mention that we recommend people buy life insurance, and this is very typical coming out of a divorce situation to protect the recipient of alimony or child support. And this is very common that is part of the divorce decree that, that the person making the payments will be required to purchase life insurance to protect those future payments. So the child will continue to receive their child support or the ex-wife will continue to receive the alimony. Um, that is a great idea. Uh, most of the time that's being suggested by the divorce attorney. But the caveat to that is that I want the person who is the beneficiary to also be the owner. So when you purchase a life insurance, I want you to be the owner, even though it's on the life of another, and that would be your ex, because I want you to have control. One of the issues that I see here is that people who are not the owner don't necessarily know if the payments are being made, the premiums are being made. Um, I've seen situations that years after the fact, um, someone has passed away and we found out that the insurance policy lapsed. Um, so control here is important. If, if it's important enough to purchase the insurance to protect the alimony and the child support, you need to be the owner. You need to get the premium notices. You need to get the correspondence with the insurance companies to make sure everything's in order. Um, another thing that I want to mention that's somewhat new, there's actually also a disability insurance that can be used to protect the stream of income for child support and alimony. It's somewhat new. It's come around in the last four or five years. Uh, I think it's very well, very worthwhile to look into. Um, just like with the life insurance, it's, it's also something that, that people need to be protected with. Uh, protect that stream of income, that stream of uh, alimony or child support. All right, let's finish out this segment by talking a little bit about Social Security. Um, we covered a lot of these things in our series on Social Security, but in particular I want to talk about the divorce benefits. Um, divorce benefits are, are, are greatly misunderstood. Um, for a number of reasons. So the biggest reason is that it's not a benefit that's mentioned on your earning statement. So most people are not even aware of it. Uh, I do meet some people that are aware of it, but I meet more people that are not aware of it. And, and that's because they have a Social Security statement if they were to go to the website and pull that earning statement, it doesn't have any mention of the divorce benefit. It doesn't say anything other than what your benefit is for your own Social Security. It doesn't say anything about divorce benefits, or it doesn't say anything about spousal benefits, which we covered in that podcast. And that's a real problem. Because what happens with a divorce benefit most of the time is that the person filing for it will receive significantly more money because that the amounts that they receive are based on the ex's work history, not your own. And the typical situation is, is a woman who has stayed home, who sacrificed their work history uh, to take care of the children, and they don't have a lot of benefits. So even though the earning statement says this is what you have earned based on your payroll taxes, they actually are going to be better off filing on the work record of their ex because it's going to be higher. 
So what qualifies someone for a divorce benefit? Well, in order to qualify for a divorce benefit, you have to be single, age 62, and married for 10 years or more. Um, if you weren't married for 10 years, you're not going to be qualified for a divorce benefit. Single, age 62, married for 10 years or more. If you remarried, you're not going to be quali- you're not going to qualify for a divorce benefit. You have to be single. So the biggest biggest area that we use this in is when somebody does not have a high income history and they would be better off filing on the work history of the ex because it's going to be greater. Now, most of the time this becomes a problem uh, not so much for the eligibility for the divorce benefit, but for verifying it. Uh, a lot of, lot of people that I meet with, we're talking about the divorce benefit and whether or not it's going to help them, but we don't really know what the ex is making. We don't really know what their work history is. We don't know anything about them. And typically there's some hiding of income associated with that. So. Usually the first step for most people is just to verify what the divorce benefit is, and then you can determine whether or not it's going to be a worthwhile, uh, something worthwhile for you to file for. Um, you've got to verify what the amount is to determine whether or not it's going to be better than your own benefit, if it's going to be higher than your own benefit. Now, how do you do that? Well, the only way you can do that is actually by going down to the Social Security's office and taking your divorce decree and a marriage certificate and proving to them that you've been married for 10 years. If you were married for 10 years, you can verify that. Uh, this is a legal benefit that's, that you're entitled to if you were married for 10 years. Uh, but once you verify it, then you can meet with your advisor um, and determine whether or not this type of strategy is going to be the best strategy for you as far as retirement. Um, a lot of people who qualify for divorce benefits because they have a work history, it's not necessarily the best benefit. It's not necessarily the best way for them to file because a, a divorce benefit is equal to 50% of whatever the ex would make at full retirement, 50%. So is that 50% greater than your own benefit? Well, you're not going to know that until you verify it. And then the second issue that I want to cover very quickly is there's actually two divorce benefits. There's actually a regular divorce benefit, which is 50% of the excess full retirement age benefit, but there's also a divorce widow benefit, which is 100%. So I do meet a lot of people who have been receiving the divorce benefit for a while. The person passes away, they can refile for that is a widow benefit and it doubles. So there's two benefits. There's one one benefit if they're alive, one benefit if they're dead. And the amounts are very different, but the qualification is going to be the same. You've got to be single, age 62, or married for 10 years or more. But the biggest thing here is I just want people to be aware that this is a benefit that they should verify to determine whether or not it's going to be a benefit for them. And that pretty much wraps up the series about uh, divorce. Uh, I would like to take a second just to introduce uh, next week's topic. Uh, Next week I want to talk about specific planning situations that need to be looked at if you lose a spouse. You know, what are the financial decisions that need to be made for someone who's lost a spouse? 
Uh, it's a topic that's very important to me. It's one that I speak on quite a bit at churches and some widow support groups around town. And um, we will cover that probably for the next two weeks, and I'll look forward to talking to you then. And to you then.